Worthy is the Lamb, the one who was able to open the scroll, the one who was able to bring life where death reigned. I want to uh, just give you a couple of reminders here before we start. The first one is uh, today our youth that are at life uh, will be traveling home. Uh, they have had a full week and an exciting week. God has been at work. Uh, I don't know, we're going to be here, uh, hear some stories in the next couple of weeks as our youth. Uh, we heard about one uh, youth pastor that baptized one of his kids and a whole bunch of others in the pool one day. So God was at work. It's really cool to hear that, but I want to just remind you to keep praying for our youth as they travel home today uh, for travel safety. They're going to be getting in pretty late this evening, uh, but uh, we are excited to hear what God has done for our students as well. also want to remind you of our upcoming baptism service. Uh, The first Sunday of August uh, will be outside on the 7th. Uh, and we're going to, the plan is we, we want that to be our baptism service. Uh, now, just to kind of give a, a quick, why do we do this? <laughs> is this really that important? Uh, yeah, it really is. Uh, baptism is that time in our life where we are standing up and saying, I have chosen to follow Jesus and I'm all in. There's no turning back for me now. I love to put it this way. It is a point in time in our lives where we are planting that stake firmly in the ground for all to see that Jesus is my Savior. Scripture tells us that we are to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, if you have not been baptized, but you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, this is a great opportunity for you to follow him in baptism and to make that statement. Uh, If you are interested in that, Uh, there's, you see the uh, website that you can go to. It's our church website. There's a sign up that is there. Go on there and let us know that you are interested. Uh, Or you can even come and talk to myself or one of our pastors. And uh, we would love to to visit with you about what that decision would be. And we can celebrate with you on that first Sunday of August. So put that on your calendar. If you have not been baptized, talk to one of us. Um, If you have, then you come and celebrate that day. And we're going to uh, have a great day of celebration on that day. So wanted to make sure that you were aware of that. Uh, let's, let's take a moment. Let's just pray that God would rest on our hearts this morning. Father, we come to this time where we open up the word together. And, and then we come together for the Lord's Supper. And, and we just, it's in moments like this that we desperately want to hear from you. Lord, we all came into this building today with very different things on our mind. Maybe we have had a lot of things going on. And, and Lord, in this moment, by your Holy Spirit, would you just, would you calm our hearts? Allow us to hear from you and allow us to be changed by your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We are going to have a little bit of fun here before we get started. So uh, here's what I want you to do. If you have your bulletin or a piece of paper or something like that in the pen, we are going to have art class for a moment, all right? All right, so if you have it, please grab it. Uh, if you don't, you can do it on the back of your hand, that's fine, or whatever, uh, on your, the person sitting next to your shirt or something like that, whatever you want to do. Uh, I didn't tell you that. Okay, 
This is a very simple art project that I'm going to have you do. All right. All I want you to do is on the corner somewhere that's open that you're, you're not going to need later, I want you to draw a stick figure of yourself. All right. Stick figure of yourself. All right. This shouldn't take long. <laughs> At least I, I, I hope not. All right. All right. It is like five or six lines. All right. All right. You got it. Everybody got it. All right. Now, here's where the fun begins. What I want you to do is I want you to hand that paper to the person next to you. All right. Hand it to the person next to you. Now, <laughs> some of you are going, that's not what you look like. <laughs> okay. Now, everybody... Close your eyes. Okay, close your eyes. Now, everybody who has a paper, I kind of want you to flip it around, spin it around, do whatever you want with it. Just kind of get it all messed up, however you want to do it. It should not be the same. Just keep going, keep going. Flip it, flip it, flip it, flip it. Keep it going, twist it, do whatever you want. Okay, stop. Now what you're going to do is you're going to hand it back to the person that gave it to you. Your eyes are still closed. Keep your eyes closed. Do not look. Do not open your eyes. Do not open your eyes. That's called cheating, all right? We are in church. God knows if you open your eyes. All right. All right. Now, everybody should have their own paper. Now, it's really simple. I want you to write next to the other one that you drew with your eyes closed still, draw that very same stick figure. Okay. Eyes closed. Go ahead and draw it. Do not open your eyes. All right. Did you get it? <clears throat> All right. You can open your eyes, but you cannot complete the picture now. <clears throat> All right. How did you do? Did anybody get it like right perfect, right next to it? It looks exactly the same. <laughs> I'm glad because if you would be nodding, I'm going, you are the worst cheat in the world. Okay. Pictures look great, don't they? This was a simple thing, folks. Very easy. I mean, really, it's a stick figure. Did you, how come it was so hard to get it right next to it and look exactly the same? Was it, why was it so hard? Because you made us close your eyes. What do you think? Yeah. You know what's interesting is that little bit of skin changed everything. It caused so that we were unable to see light. You understand this is about light. This morning in our text, I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 11. And we're going to look at a passage of scripture about the eyes, light in our eyes. Starting at verse 33. So if you have your Bibles or if you have your devices, you can turn there with me. Luke chapter 11, starting at verse 33. No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body also is full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body is also full of darkness. 
See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it is dark, it will be just as full of light as when a lamp shines its light on you. Now, this can be a little confusing passage because oftentimes what we do is we hear that, that first part where it says, no one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden, right? And we take that as this is a, this is a passage about the gospel message and us bringing the gospel message out into the world and, and living out that gospel message. Well, let me put it this way. That, that might be a small part of it. But actually, when you look at this in the context of what it is, Jesus is taking a much deeper dive into an area of of what is called spiritual blindness or hard-heartedness. As a matter of fact, this is Jesus' response to them claiming or saying that they needed more evidence that he was who he claimed to be. Jesus had been going around doing all of this stuff, and they're going, "Eh, we still don't necessarily know or believe that, that you're... You're that guy. You claim to be the Messiah, but I think we need more evidence. And so what Jesus is saying is he's bringing this in and he's saying the eye, the eyes of of our body is what allows light into it. Are we seeing? And what's interesting about this passage is Jesus goes, there's some things about the light. And again, he is pointing that light to himself. And Jesus is saying, first of all, he says, you know what? Light is to be seen. Light must be seen. And and this is Jesus, again, his response to, we want to know more. Jesus put it out there for anyone and everyone to see. He wasn't hiding his light. He was performing miracles in front of people. He was healing people. He was teaching in the synagogues. He was teaching in every place that he would go. He was putting it out there for everybody to see. And so he's going, look, if you want evidence, it's been right there. The truth has been there right in front of your face all along. This is not an issue about the light shining. It's the issue about being able to see the light that is being shown. In John chapter 8, verse 12, It says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus came into the world to be the light, and he declared it. He didn't didn't hide it. He didn't say, you know, I'm I'm kind of teaching some stuff. No, he says it right there. I am the light, and here's the truth. I have put it out there for everyone to see. Let me ask you this. Are there any artists in here today? Any artists? One. <laughs> you people are horrible liars. <laughs> okay, we've got a few more going up. All right, all right. How do I know that you're an artist? You raised your hand. Where's the evidence? Some of you couldn't even draw a stick figure next to the other one. <laughs> No, but you, you get what I'm saying here. You can call, call yourself something. You can claim, I could claim to be a pastor to anybody in the world. But if I'm not doing and showing those things, it doesn't make any difference in the world. There must be proof. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying to the Pharisees and to the people that were challenging him, he goes, the proof has been displayed. You don't have to look very far to see the proof. In 2 Corinthians 4, 6, Paul says this about Jesus. For God who said, let light shine in the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts 
to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory. How? Displayed in the face of Christ. So Paul is even saying, look, this light that we have is not a light that we're simply saying to somebody. We're not walking around holding onto a flashlight that's turned off saying, you know what, we have light. He's saying that light is the face of Christ. That light is the life of Christ. And it was displayed for all to see. Now maybe today you're going, oh, that's great. They maybe saw it, but we don't see it. Well, actually we do. That's why God gave us his word. All throughout this book, we have the story of Jesus. We have all of, not all of the things he did, because Luke says if, if we had to contain everything that Jesus did, there would be no book that would be able to contain it. But we have stories. We have those things, those truths of what Jesus did and what Jesus said. And even today, he's going, look, you have no way to say, I can't see the light. The light has been put out there for all to see, even today. But then he goes on, and and understand again that really Jesus and the Pharisees had this weird relationship, right? They hated him, and he kept on embarrassing them. It was really great. And, And he's sitting there, and he's talking to them, and one of the things that he says is, light can be blocked. Light can be blocked. Light can be shining all around, and yet you still can't see it. Again, remember, just a moment ago, when you guys were drawing your second picture, did you see the paper as you were trying to draw it with your eyes closed? No. It's a simple reality. Light was blocked. And when light was blocked, you couldn't even see the truth of what was happening on that paper. Sometimes, maybe it's not a complete block, but light can be blocked in such a way, kind of like a cataract or, or something else, a stigmatism or something like that, where the image is distorted or isn't clear. This is what Jesus was saying to the crowds when he says, your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body also is full of light. But when you are unhealthy, your body is also full of darkness. Isn't it amazing? You're sitting there going, the eye. You know, let's, let's have a little moment on the eye here. The eye, very small, right? You've seen your eye before. <laughs> you looked at it and you look at somebody else's eye. This is what is amazing to me. The eye is very complex. This is so detailed. Even Charles Darwin, the father of evolution, recognize this. Listen to the quote by Charles Darwin that he said, to suppose that the eye, with all its inimitable contrivances for adjusting the focus to different distances, for admitting different amounts of light, and for the correction of spherical and chromatic aberration could have been formed by natural selection seems, I confess, absurd in the highest degree. Did you hear what he was saying? I mean, he said a lot of really weird words. I get that. But basically, he was saying, the eyeball, in all of its intricacies, the ability to focus at distance, the ability to let light in, the ability to even correct itself at times, to heal itself. When I was uh, early in ministry, I was playing basketball with the youth, and a kid decided that he wanted to try and, and block a shot, and he was about three feet too short. He didn't block the ball, he blocked my eye. And his finger went right in. And what he did is he he tore the conjunctival tissue of my eyeball. 
it didn't feel good. The amazing thing about it was the eye healed itself. I never thought that would be able to happen. I thought, I'm like, I'm blind. I'm going to, it's going to happen. It healed itself. The eyeball, and this is what Darwin is saying, the eyeball with all of its intricacies, its complexities, with the ability to do this, I admit even myself that it is absurd. However, (laughs) this is what he then goes on to say. The difficulty of believing that a perfect and complex eye could be formed by natural selection, though insuperable by our imagination, should not be considered subversive of a theory. I don't even know what to say to that sometimes. Yep, yep, it seems really impossible, but you know what? We should still believe it. You see, what happened here is this. The eye was blocked and therefore it was not able to admit or ability to focus on truth. It was not able to make the corrections and therefore it went to the place to say, well, maybe it's true, maybe it could work. There doesn't need to be a God in this. Now understand the eye. As Jesus was talking about this, he said, here is the function of the eye. The eye is the aperture to the brain. What it does is it allows light to come in. And as light comes in, it sends signals to our brain through the nervous system. Our brain then takes that light image, transforms it into what we think we see. But it's all based on light. Whether or not we are allowing light to come into the eyes. So if Jesus says, if the eye is healthy, then the light is in the body. If the eye is unhealthy, then the light or the body is darkness. That's just a fact. If our eyes are not able to allow the light to come in, it doesn't function properly and we miss truth. So how does this happen? How is it that we can block light that is so clearly being seen. Again, remember the Pharisees and the, and the teachers of the law and all of these guys, they were there, they were seeing the law, they were, they were seeing the truth, they were seeing the light, but somehow it wasn't getting in. Well, I wanna, there's a lot of them. There's probably several that we can go through, but I wanna share with you just quickly three simple ones. Sin is a very clear one. We're gonna talk a little bit more about it in a moment, but uh, in John 3, 19 through 21, He says, this is the verdict, light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. See, what he says is just simply this. Light's there. But sin is fun. And because sin comes in, it blocks the light, and therefore we don't see the truth of God clearly. It can block light. Selfishness is another one. Selfishness is one of those things where, as he kind of points again, he goes, you know what, you guys like to put on this this picture of religious piety. You like to look good. The problem is it's all about you. You do those good things because you want people to notice it. Or, or sometimes that selfishness is where we look at the truth and we go, whoa, that's just too hard. I don't think that I can do that. I don't think I can follow those expectations. I don't think I can. It's just too many rules that I have to do. Too many things to make this God 
please him. And so what we do is we kind of say, it's all about me. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 and 16, Jesus says these words, You are the light of the world. A town on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. There's the one where he's like, you know, you've got the light. The light is there. Don't hide the light. Selfishness is where we go. You know, I got to kind of, I got I to gotta cover that light. I, I, I got I to gotta not make it shine for everybody to see it because it could be embarrassing. But you know what happens? If you light a lamp or if you light a candle and then you place a bowl on top of it, do you know what happens to that flame? Eventually, it'll go out. You see how this works. It doesn't just happen and it's gone. It's over time. All of a sudden, these things, as we are focusing on ourselves, selfishness comes in, and eventually that flame, that light, gets dimmer and dimmer and dimmer until eventually that light goes out. But another one is unsound belief. The third one, unsound belief. What do I mean by that? What this is, is basically, it's very popular that's happening today. What we have is many different preachers and teachers and with the, uh, you know, the invention of the internet and YouTube and everything else like that. You've got everybody that's given their opinion. The problem is most of those opinions are not coming from God's word. You know, I've had all kinds of conversations with people that are, you know, well, this is what God wants. And it's like, where do you find that in scripture? It's not in Scripture. You know, one of the ones that you see a couple of them, you know, well, you know what? If you love God enough, if you love God, if you give your tithes and your offerings to the church, if you're, if you're generous to people, then you know what? God's going to give you a big bank account. It's being taught. You know, other ones are, you know what? You can't do anything to please God anymore, so don't even worry about it. Go and live the way you live and do whatever you want to. God loves you no matter what. Just go for it. Where does it say that? You can look around you all over and you hear these things and every one of them, do you know what? They sound great, don't they? Because every one of them is do what you want to do. God will support it. God's okay with that. We're hearing today, be who you want to be, right? It's be who God has called you to be. Shine that light. How do, we, how do we do, how do we avoid this? I love Psalm 119. It's a long, long chapter in scripture. We're not going to read all of it. We're just going to do one verse. Verse 130. Look what it says. The unfolding of your word gives light. The unfolding of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. The only place that we can truly get truth and get light is from God's word. The only place that we can say that I know that God says that this is okay is when it says it in his word. If it says it in this book, it's okay. If it says it outside of this book, then you know what my question is going to be is, I really don't think so. You, I don't think, had that conversation with God. Light can be blocked. But the third part about light that Jesus brings into this is light is an all or nothing kind of thing. See, this is where it gets kind of hard because we don't like this concept of it's all or nothing. You're all in or you're not in at all. We don't like that. But look at what he, did you know that you cannot measure darkness? Did you know that? 
There is no measurement of darkness, at least from what I... Now, someone can correct me, and I'd be happy to be corrected, but the last time I checked, there was no measurement of darkness. The only measurement you have is light. Darkness is the absence of light. So all you can do is measure how much light is there. If you can see anything at all, the only reason you can see something is because it is... There's light. Absolute darkness is no light at all. And so this is what Jesus is saying. He goes, look, it's an all or nothing thing. You are living the light or you're living the darkness. In 1 John 1, 5 through 7, John says, this is the message that we have heard from, I like this, who? Him. Who's him? Jesus. This is the message that we heard from Jesus and declare to you. God is light. In him there is some darkness, maybe. No. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Notice that again. In him there is no darkness at all. So if, if there's no darkness in him, and he says, I want you to walk in the light, how much light are we walking in? The complete light of Jesus Christ. We are to live the complete thing. Well, you know, yeah, that's great, you know, but uh, it's so much fun to play around the edges, isn't it? I mean, it's just, it, it can be fun playing around the edges of sin. We don't go all the way in because we know that if we go, you know, obviously there's those certain sins, you know, you don't go murder somebody, you know, adultery, these, et cetera, et cetera. We don't, we don't do those because those are the biggie ones. The problem is it's almost more dangerous to flirt with sin and play around the edges than it is to understand. Now, also, look what Paul says, Ephesians 5, 8 through 13. He says, for you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Live as children of light. Be all in. Do the deeds of light. We don't play around the edges. Let me take a moment and meddle. <clears throat> all right? Maybe step on toes. It's easy for us as Christians to get involved in things that we know maybe we shouldn't be doing. Now understand, Satan is never going to come and say, hey, you know what, good morning, it's a good morning today. Let's go murder somebody. Have you ever had that? <laughs> I, mean, I don't think we wake up with that. But do you understand how Satan works? What he does is he comes in and he says, you know what? You've been a really good person. You're a good, you're a, you're a good person. You go to church like you were in church on Sunday. You know what you sing? You, you sing well. You, you even volunteer. You're a, part of a small, you're a part of a small group. All of these things. You know, you are really a good person and God must be so pleased with you because you're a good person. She looks really good, doesn't she? 
she's a really nice person. It's normal to feel that way. God created that in you anyways. You know what? I think God would be pleased with you. Because, you know, it's good to do this. Over here, it's good to do this. So, you know, I, I think this will outweigh that. So I think if you did that, go ahead and do that. You know what? If it feels good, it must be good. Oh, and look, your friends, they go to church. They're all doing it too. So, you know, it can't be all that bad. Do you see how he works in this? He comes and he just slowly begins to cover that light. And he says, you know what, you don't need to be all in. You can be mostly in. You can be, you know, just, just Sunday in. <laughs> and all of a sudden what happens is exactly what Jesus said. If we are doing the, the, the deeds of the darkness, then the light is not in us. It is an all or nothing. Am I truly living to please God? Because I can't please God in the world. I can't live the right way with God and live the way that the world thinks that I should live. I can't do the things of God all the time and yet come to the place where I'm the same as everybody else in the world. There needs to be a difference. I need to be all in. I need to be light. Because the moment that I begin to do the things of the world, the moment that I allow those things to come in, the light dims and it gets, gets much lower and lower and lower. And then soon we can't even bring the gospel message to somebody. Because only darkness is there. But notice what he said. You are children of light. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are a child of light. What does that mean? You bear the light, the image. Remember what Jesus said in the beginning? If the eye is good, the light is in the body. And if the light is in the body, what begins to happen outside of the body? It shows. That light begins to show for others to see. We become the light of Christ. Now that's where we go into the other place. You are the light of the world. A city on the hill cannot be hidden. Go and shine that light. That is what it means. Light clearly is laid out there. The truth is there to be seen. It can be blocked. But if we live all in in the light, then man, I tell you, when we come even close to darkness... It can't stand the light. And the darkness has to go away. This morning I wanted to do communion after the message. For one simple reason. Because of what communion means and because of what we are asked to do in communion. When we are looking at communion, it simply says, well, I'll go again to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. He says, for what I receive from the Lord is what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now listen to this. So then, 
Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. And let's even add, I'm not adding to Scripture, (laughs) that's why some have gone dark. Because what we've allowed to do is that block comes in. As we take communion this morning, would you take this time and would you reflect? Would you examine, allow the Holy Spirit to come in and to examine your heart? And if there's something in there that's blocking it, let him come in with the light. Because notice what he says. When the darkness has light come into it, light dissipates the darkness and exposes it to Christ. You see, communion is about that cleansing that we get through the body and blood of Christ. It's that personal moment that you have with him this morning. And so I want to do things maybe just a a, a slightly different Normally what we do is we'll pass out one element and then we take it together and then we pass out the second element and we take that together and, you know, we kind of we do it. But this morning I'm going to ask our elders to do it a little different and I'm going to ask you to do it a little different as well. They will hand out the elements in their order, the body and the blood. I want you to hold on to both of them. Lynn will be playing some music while that's happening. Once you receive both of them, would you simply allow God to examine? Say, how are my eyes today, Lord? Do I need eye surgery? (laughs) And allow him to do work. And then when the time is right, worship will happen again. Take it at your speed today is what I'm saying. Allow God to work. That night, Jesus took the body and he said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then after he took the cup, he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Examine ourselves. light of God you came into this world full of darkness and you brought the light of life you said you were the light of the world and as you left you said you we are the light of the world Lord, may our eyes be such that the full light of Christ flows and floods into us. 
May it change us from the inside. And may that light shine clearly through us into a world that desperately needs to hear the truth of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to be unfiltered in our love for Jesus. To be bold in our stance on truth. And to be compassionate to bring the love of Jesus to those who are hurting. As we go, may the Holy Spirit, the one who shines the light in our heart, may He shine it brightly in each and every one of us. May you go in the power and the presence of the one true God, holding with you the truth in the Word of God. And may you invade the darkness with the light of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Take the light. You are sent.